who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I've titled this message this evening, Finish Our Course. Let's look to the Lord prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your love and your mercies to us, which are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We thank you for the heritage we have. Those who have gone before us that we are so compassed about with that great cloud of witnesses that testify of your goodness and of your grace, that it is sufficient for us to finish the course. Lord, we pray as we look into your word tonight that you again encourage us, strengthen us, and challenge us. And help us just to rest in your promises, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, we noted this morning, of course, in this passage, that there is a host of witnesses testifying to and challenging us to, as Paul told the Ephesian elders or the Ephesian pastors in Acts 20 and verse 24, to finish my course with joy, is what Paul said. So as we look at this tonight, I want to kind of pick up, you know, I talked about that great cloud of witnesses and laying aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and running a race. But I want to notice several things tonight as we look at the end of verse 1 and then verse 2. The first of all, that each of us have a course. Verse 1 again it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, it is a race we must choose to run. The writer says, let us run. Let us lay aside and let us run with patience. It is a race that's a personal choice. You know, that's really what the book of Hebrews is about. The book of Hebrews is written to the Hebrews, <laughs> I believe the church at Jerusalem, and really is putting before them this question. Are you going to continue to follow Christ, or are you going to back to the Old Testament sacrifices? Are you going to finish the course? Are you going to run the race? You know, really, it's a matter of, to choose for us to choose to obey the Lord or to live in bondage to the world, the flesh, and the devil. The way I see it, that's not much of a choice. You know, Joshua and Joshua, you know, and this has been the question that has been put before God's people uh, since the beginning of time. Of course, you know, we looked about that, you know, the, the cloud of witnesses goes way back to the beginning of time. Uh, but in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, Joshua puts this question to the children of Israel. You know, they're in the land. They've already taken possession of the land. They basically conquered all the, all, all the people of the land. There's still pockets of the enemies in the land, which they still have to conquer and, and take possession of. But basically, they have conquered the land. But Joshua's about to, to die and get pass off the scene. And, and he puts this before him in verse 15. 
And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served at the southern side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in the sight, in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord your God. So really Joshua is saying to them what Paul, I believe, is saying to the Hebrews. If you're going to serve the Lord, you lay aside the weights and the sin which just so easily beset us. You see, the children of Israel are already becoming entrapped with the gods of the land. In fact, some of those gods they brought of Egypt with them. Or like Elijah on Mount Carmel when he stood before the people in 1 Kings 18, 21, and he said, and Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. You see, God has given us a course. But it's up to us to choose to run it. It's our choice. It's our choice. So it is a race we must choose to run. Secondly, it is to be run with patience. Notice he says here, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This race requires patience. The word patience means steadfastness, constancy, endurance. Think about all the cloud of witnesses we talked about this morning and the patience and the endurance, the constancy with which they ran the race. And so, as we think about that, we must begin with the end in mind and not let anything interfere. No matter how hard it gets, we must continue. It's just like a runner. Now, I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner. When I was in high school, we had to take what was called the President's Physical Fitness Test. And the worst part of the test was the two-mile run, the last thing. Now, the first 100 yards was no problem. In fact, the first, you know, 300 yards wasn't a problem. But it was the rest of it that was grueling. I hated it. I don't like running to this day. You know, wasn't it took, see, it took constant endurance. It was difficult to finish, but that's what required. I always finished it. 
just not in record time. Uh, you know, you know, it's sort of like child training. It's easy to have a child, but training them is another matter. That takes constancy. That takes endurance. That takes steadfastness. And if we're going to run this race that God has given us, we have to endure, as Timothy, or Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, uh, or 2 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4, he's, he told him to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. You know, a soldier doesn't mess around with things that would detract from him being a soldier. He focuses his attention upon things concerning being a soldier, and that alone. Peter, in his epistle in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, <clears throat> he said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in your world. You see, the devil is like a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour, whom he may trip up, whom he may steer off the course. He knows if you're saved tonight, he knows he can't destroy you. But he can ruin you. He can disable you. Chuck Coffey used to tell about in Vietnam how the Viet Cong was set landmines. Not to kill you, but just to maim you enough that you would be a distraction a hindrance. You know, maybe just blow off your big toe or part of your foot, not to kill you. What that, you know what that does? That, that hinders the whole unit. Now they've got to take care of one that's injured. That's what the devil endeavors to do. No, we must run with patience. We have to be sober and vigilant, on guard, and constant, enduring running with patience the race that is set before us. Thirdly, this course is a course that is chosen for us. Notice I did not say chosen by us. It's chosen for us. Notice verse 1 again, the last half of the verse it says, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The word set there means to be appointed or destined. You see, our Father, our Heavenly Father, who knows what's best, has chosen the course for us. You know, our Father knows our talents, our abilities. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses. And He knows best how to use us for His glory. Look at, follow me here on a rabbit trail. Go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. <clears throat> we see this brought out in the life of the Apostle Paul. In Acts chapter 9, of course, he's on the road to Damascus, and uh, he's got letters from the synagogue to, to arrest uh, those at Damascus uh, that are believers. 
And verse 3 says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee, notice, it shall be told thee what thou must do. Drop down to uh, verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, see, speaking here to Ananias, who baptized Saul, the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Go to chapter 20. Chapter 20. <clears throat> Verse 24, chapter 20, verse 24. <clears throat> Again, here speaking to the Ephesian elders as he's preparing to go to Jerusalem where he's arrested. Paul said this in chapter 20, verse 24, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry, notice, which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And then in chapter 22, again, verse 10. Chapter 22 and verse 10. Here giving his defense before the Jewish people at the temple where he's arrested. Where he's arrested. In verse 10 he says, And I said, of course rehearsing his testimony of how he, how he came to the Lord. And, he said, and I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee all things which thou art appointed. There's our word appointed for thee to do. Uh, verse 17. And it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance, and saying unto him, and, and saw him saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I am imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by, and consenting unto his death, and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this word, and lifted up their voices, and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. So, you know, the Lord said, Depart, you know, you leave Jerusalem, because I have sent you to the Gentiles. And Paul said, in one place, that he was the apostle to the Gentiles, as Peter was to the circumcision. See, God set the course for the Apostle Paul's life. And he has a course set for each of us. You know, God has a course for your life, and it's in your best interest to accept God's will for your life. He has a place. He has a purpose in his church, and it's your choice. Will you do it? So we have a course. Secondly, we must keep our focus. If we're going to finish our course, we must keep our focus. Notice verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, 
who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, once to keep our focus, we are to be looking unto Jesus. The idea here of looking is turn our eyes away from other things and turn them and fix them on something, in this case, someone. Fix them. The idea of fixing means you don't take them off. You don't take them off. It is a looking unto, it's a continuous action. Continuous. You see, too many people who profess to be Christians go to church on Sunday and forget about the Lord for the rest of next Sunday. Or they read a little in the morning and forget about Him the rest of the day. In running our race of life, we must be continually looking to Him. Laying aside the weights and the sins that besetting us, that word beset means to encircle us or surround us. You know, sin is everywhere in the world, and it's, it's all around us, and we have to continue to lay aside. And it, is, and it is to realize, what it is, is to realize his presence continuously. And to, to realize his presence continuously is to have his wisdom, his power, the assurance of his promises. In your life. That's what Paul referred to in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, that you know, familiar passage that, that uh, some of us are uh, not so comfortable to, to think about. Uh, but in Philippians 3, verse 7 through 11, Paul said this, But what things were gained to me, those I count lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. See, I see that I, he, what he's saying is, I've totally re- turned my focus away from the things of this world and have put them on Christ. Those are excellent things. Verse 9, And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I may attain unto the resurrection of the dead. So Paul here is talking about practicing the presence of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy 4, Verse 9, uh, Paul talks about having the presence of God with him. In verse 9 he says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to the Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke was with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou ware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, notice this phrase, no man stood with me. But all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be full of known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. You see, Paul, who was used to having 
men around him, helping in the ministry. Demas forsook him. Titus, he sent, Dom, he sent to Dalmatia. You know, it wasn't that Titus was not longer. He sent Dalmatia for the ministry. He sent uh, um, uh, Cretans to, to, uh, to Galatia and, and um, uh, Tychicus to Ephesus. So he had sent them out to, to do other places. They, they needed other places, so he was kind of left alone with only Luke. And he said, at one point, nobody stood with me. But he said, the Lord was with me. You see, I had the presence of the Lord. You see, it is to practice, to keep your, your focus on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, it is to practice the presence of God in your life. You know, Daniel practiced the presence of God. Whether he was at home or in the den, free or under threat of persecution, he prayed as he did before time. He practiced the presence of God. Enoch walked with God, and he was not. He practiced God's presence. You see, practicing the presence of God is a walk of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and it is reward of them that diligently seek him. That's what Enoch did. You see, he walked by faith. So we must be continually looking unto Jesus. You know, Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 that they were to take no thought for the things of the body. I mean, the birds of the air, the Heavenly Father feedeth them. The lilies of the field, look how they grow and they toil not. And, you spend, and your Father take care of them. And then he said in Matthew 6, 20, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. The things of earth, our needs. If we put God first, if we put our focus upon him and obeying his will for our life, all these things that we have need of, he will take care of. He will take care of. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, If ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you are saved, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, be looking unto Jesus, on things above, not on things of the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice, when Christ, who is our life, he's our life. You know, the psalmist said in Psalm 34, 10, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. David said, in that, I believe it's in that same psalm, I have been young, but now I'm old, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You see, we need to be looking unto Jesus, keeping our focus on him. You know, James 1.5 tells us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God. Look to Jesus that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. So our focus is to be on him because he is the author. Notice chapter 12 again, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author. 
and finisher. The word author has the, the idea of to rule or to be the head or the originator. He's the originator. Uh, you know, again, in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says, Who is the image, speaking of Christ, who is the image of the visible God, the firstborn of every creature. The word firstborn has the idea of, of again, of, of leadership, of rule, of, of superiority and preeminence, uh, of priesthood, the elder of the family, you might say. Uh, and then, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. In other words, they continue, they're held together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. He's the author. He's the author of our faith. He's the author of faith. He exercised it perfectly. You know, faith is acting on the word of God. And Jesus acted on the words of his Father. Remember he said, I do always those things that please him. The Bible says that Enoch pleased God. How did he please God? By faith. Acting on the word of God. So he is the author of our faith. He exercised it perfectly. Secondly, he is the finisher. The word finisher has the idea of a, a perfecter. He perfected it. Not only did he perfect it, but he is working to perfect you and I. You see, he is working to perfect us, to conform us to himself, to his purpose, to his course for us. Your Philippians 1, 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The word partakers has the idea of participating. See, we are participating participants in things divine. By the knowledge of Him. By yielding our life to Him. So we are participating in, in things divine. Having fled, the idea is of, uh, notice it says escape is the idea of fleeing from, having fled from corruption that's in the world. You see, see, Christian, God is at work by his Holy Spirit through his word, molding and shaping, chastening you and I into the participant of divine things that he desires.
That's what Romans 8, 28 through 30 is really all about. Go over there. Romans chapter 28. Romans chapter 8. Verse 28. <clears throat> and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Now, when he says all things, that's the things that we think are good and the things that we think are bad. Now, I imagine there will be some sweets tomorrow. And they have different kinds of ingredients. There's flour, yuck, sugar, baking soda, maybe baking powder, coca. Did you ever try to eat straight coca? You know, some salt, some eggs. You know, eggs are fried or cooked, you know, they're good, but raw, nah. You know, all those things are in that, but if, and, and none of them by themselves, except maybe the sugar, is attractive to me. <laughs> but you put them all in the pan, in a, in a, in a uh, bowl, and you stir it up, and you mix it all together, and you put it in the oven and bake it, I will have some. It's good. You see, all things, the good and the bad, God works together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his. Notice it's his purpose, his course. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now, the word predestinate just simply means he's working to bring it to pass. He's bringing it to pass. He, he, he's working to bring it to pass to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So he wants more brethren like him, but he is the firstborn. He's the preeminent one. Yeah, remember, he told his disciples, he told, he told, was it Mary, go tell my brethren that I go before them in the galley. So he's, he's working to conform us uh, that we might be among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. We've been justified by faith. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. You see, God is working in your life and mine to mold us and shape us, whatever it takes, to conform us to his image. Sometimes those things are pleasant, and sometimes they're not. I heard a preacher say one time he asked the guy who carved dogs how he did it. He said, I just take a block of wood, and I start chopping away everything that doesn't look like a dog. See, God takes us, sinners saved by grace, starts chipping away but you know if we would if we would just willingly yield it wouldn't hurt as much sometimes he has to chasten us to get us to yield but he's working just to get rid of the things that don't look like him they're not pleasing to him but you think also see he was working to perfect us but he will also safely see us home. 
It's through him that we will get to heaven. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, Colossians 1.4 says, When Christ who is our life You know, I appreciate what Bradley said tonight. It isn't anything that I've done that's going to get me to heaven. It's what Christ has done. He is my life. So when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Of course, Romans 8 tells us here, them he justified, he's also glorified. By the way, that's in present tense. In other words, as, God, as far as God's concerned, it's finished. It's already accomplished. We will be glorified if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. So our focus is to be on Him because He is the author, the originator, and He is the finisher of our faith. He's the one that perfected it. He's our perfect example. Then thirdly, we must look and keep our eyes focused upon that which is eternal. In other words, the end goal in mind. Notice again, um, the last half of verse, verse uh, 2 says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, again, the words, we must set or place before us the end goal. The old saying is, anything in life of value requires sacrifice, work. And, and to attain it, you have to keep the end goal in mind. You know, if you're training for, for something, if you're training children, you've got to keep the end goal in mind. There's lots of days we'd just like to give up and quit. You know, we, uh, you, know you ever say this as a parent? Are we ever going to get through to them? But you keep at it. You keep at it. And you keep at it. You keep training. Because they are stubborn. They get it honestly. Uh, so we have to keep the, you know, if you're training to run a race, what do you, you have to keep at it. You have to keep, you have to have the end goal in mind. When you start that race, you know, that first 300 yards was easy, but you got to keep the end goal in mind because if you don't keep the end goal in mind, you're going to quit. You're going to quit. It says he endured. That means to undergo or to bear trials, to have fortitude or perverse, persevere, to abide, to take it patiently. He endured the cross. You know, he could have called 10,000 angels, but he endured it. He despised the shame. It was disgusting. You think about it. It was disgusting to the Son of God who became sin for us. It was repulsive to him. You know, we need to remember that when we're reproached or mocked. You know, is that repulsive to you? Uh, I must say it's not pleasant. 
That's what Jesus endured. Just a little bit. Picture of what Jesus endured. Becoming sin for us. You know, Peter said in 1 Peter 4.14, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. You know, if you're reproached for the name of Christ, it's likely because you're doing something right. The world hates them. And Jesus said, if the world hates me, it'll hate you. So, despising the shame and a set down. The, the phrase set down, of course, means he finished his work. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then chapter 10, verse 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. See, the Christ finished his work and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You know, God has a course for us to finish. And like Paul, we need to finish our course with joy. And there is a reward if we're faithful. So God has a course for you. Will you do it? We must look to him. Practice his presence. He has shown us how. Being the author of the finisher, he can enable us to finish our course. It's only by his strength and by his grace that we can finish. It's not in us. It's in him. Will you? Again, it's our choice. But we have that great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and finished their course. God's asking of us in 2017 to finish our course. Might God help us?